Intimacy means that no thing about your spouse is more important than your spouse. Fixing the world means engaging in an intimate relationship with God. Well, because without intimacy, life kind of loses its flavor. And when it loses its flavor, it loses its value. Intimacy is the goal of every relationship. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. In this episode, you're going to listen to a conversation we had with a rabbi on intimacy and the Torah. So we interviewed Rabbi Manus Friedman. He was born in Prague, Czechoslovakia, and is a Hasidic Jewish rabbi. It was such a fascinating conversation that we had with him, different than any of our other guests yeah. we've ever had on. We wanted to prime you because some of the things that we talk about or that come up in the conversation might be not exactly what you get from the Bible, but I think that's from a lot of the rabbis I've listened to on, mm-hmm. you know, online. Um, they do this, I think, to cause conversation, whether that yeah. be uh, a jab or a um, just different ways of looking at it mm-hmm. in order to cause us to challenge each other mm-hmm. and learn from each other. So, you know, take some things with a grain of salt, but really also try to apply the, some of these things to your life and, and really think about them. I think that's why mm-hmm. um, some of the things that were said were said. Yeah, he just asks really good questions and his answers may not be the answers that you would give or that you've heard before. So just look at it as um, an interesting conversation to make you think and to make you ask more questions. Yeah. Um, start to challenge yourself, your friends, and um, really have deep thought about scripture and how it can be applied to our lives. So I think that's how God meant it to be. Welcome Rabbi Friedman to the podcast. We're honored to have you on. It is so nice to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, um, I have read your book, The Joy of Intimacy, and I've watched videos on YouTube of you talking about the Torah and um, the history of the Bible, and I've been fascinated by your questions that you asked, and I thought, you know, it'd be wonderful to have Rabbi Freeman on our uh, podcast. So yes. thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. We'd like to kick this off, Rabbi, um, just maybe share a little bit about why this topic, What? how are people getting it wrong? Why did you feel the need to address this topic in your book? The topic of intimacy? Yes, sir. Well, because without intimacy, life kind of loses its flavor. Mm. And when it loses its flavor, it loses its value. 
But the main problem is loneliness. There's a terrible plague of loneliness. Even happily married couples, when you speak to them individually, they will tell you that they feel alone in the world. Mm-hmm. No complaints. Marriage is functional. Everything's good. But they're alone in the world. Now, that mm-hmm. is scary because that's not supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. When you're married, you're never alone again. So if you can be happily married and still feel alone, it's because the marriage has no intimacy. Mm. It's functional, but nothing more. Right. Yeah. Can you define intimacy? Yeah. How is it different maybe from love? Ooh, love is actually one of those things that are, that is destroying marriages. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Try that one on. (laughs) Uh (laughs) See, love is a thing. It's a good thing. But it's a thing. Intimacy is not about anything because human beings are not things. So just a very quick example. If a man says to a woman, I love you for your money. And I want to marry you for your money. What makes that so offensive? (laughs) Because you're objectifying someone. Because what you're really saying is, can I I just have the money? Mm. No. I don't want you. (laughs) I'm I'm looking, I'm I'm out for the money. Yeah. But I understand that you're not just going to hand over the money. I'm going to have to marry you to get the money. Mm. That really is... uh, very thinly disguised insult. Yeah. So what happens when the money's gone? When the money's gone, there is nothing because there never was anything besides the money. Mm-hmm. But without the money, all of a sudden, what are you doing in my house? Yeah. You're a total stranger. Mm-hmm. So all that time, she was feeling alone. He's not married to her. Yeah. It's just about the money. Well, tell me why love is any better than that. I'm marrying you only for the love. I love love. Hmm. So we get married because I love you and you love me. And the day after the wedding, you tell me that you're in a bad mood. Hey, 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 I didn't marry you for that. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come with the marriage. Just the love. Just the love. The rest of you, I'm really not interested in. Same thing. Wow. Yeah. And look at what happens. If the love disappears, there is nothing. Yeah. The love is the entire package. Mm. Yeah. And it's not you. It's only one part of you. Mm-hmm. So intimacy means that no thing about your spouse is more important than your spouse. Mm. Profound, That's doesn't good. it sound? Deep. That's good. Deep. <laughs> no, but it's <laughs> simple. So yeah. obvious. Yeah. There are things I like about a person. That's not a marriage. Right. Those are things. And those mm. things can disappear. Yeah. And probably will, if I don't like the rest of you. 
<laughs> there would be more that I don't like than I do like, and that's yeah. not so good. Mm, wow. Here's the same thing with God. Look, I just want to get to heaven, okay? Can I just mm. get to heaven? No, I have to believe in you and worship you and be good. Why does everything have to be so complicated? <laughs> just let me into heaven. Mm. Love that. Okay, mm. fine, I'll worship you. But I mm. get to heaven. Mm. Well, I'm not interested in you, just something I can get from you. Nasty. Mm. Yeah. So the result is people feel alone. When people feel alone, their immune system crashes. And they become vulnerable. So it's literally dangerous to be alone in the world emotionally. So to go a little deeper, what is wrong with being alone? Okay, it is terrible, but why? Hmm. And if it's so terrible to be alone, why are people constantly demanding, leave me alone? <laughs> yeah. 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 So do we want to be alone or don't we want to be alone? We can't seem to make up our mind. Well, I think it was, uh, I think it was God who said that it's not good for a man to be alone. <laughs> After he created all everything else, right? Then he comments in the story. He's like, you know. Yeah. Bingo. Well, let's learn a little Bible. Okay. Please. But Teach us, Rabbi. But really learn. Yes. God is creating the world. On the first day, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And on the second day, God said, let there be a firmament. And on the third day, let the grass grow. And on the fourth day, the sun and the moon. Then he creates Adam on the sixth day. And God says, it is no good with man alone. I will create him a helpmate. And then he created Eve. The obvious glaring question. Why did he have to say that? Hmm. you're doing great you're creating you're on a roll you're hot <laughs> just keep creating whatever you need to create hmm. what's with the statement yeah. was it unnecessary yeah like god didn't say after creating the sun he didn't say you know the sun alone is not enough i need to create a moon also right. oh, he just went ahead and he created the moon yeah yeah but here all of a sudden god is like Almost like justifying. Uh, like he needs an excuse to create Eve. Hmm. Just go ahead and create whatever you need to create. You're doing fine. Yeah. So why do you think he said it? What was the need with that statement? Yeah. The need is a human being would be perfectly happy being alone. If I was capable, if I was self-sufficient, if I didn't need help, I would much rather do by myself. Thank you very much. You know, I got it. I'm in control. I love it. Hmm. God said it is not good for man to be alone and made it that way. Mm -hmm. He had to make it bad to be alone. Because by nature, we would love to be alone. Hmm. Wow. So God says, 
it is not good for man to be alone, made it man's nature to, to suffer from loneliness, and then created the antidote. There you go. Now let's take it one step further, which is really mind-blowing. When God said it is not good for man to be alone, he was describing himself. There is something divine in not wanting to be alone. It's not human. It's not natural. Yeah. It's a divine thing. I mean, here God is eternal. Right. He is infinite. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and almighty. Why is he creating a world? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't at all. Mm -hmm. If I were him, I'd leave well enough alone. <laughs> Stay in control. <laughs> got it made. The only thing that exists is all you, nobody to bother you, nobody to disturb you. Mm. It's perfect. Leave it be. Yeah. So God says, I'm creating the world because it's not good to be alone. Wow. It is yeah. something divine. I can't explain it, but it's not good. And I'm going to share that with the human being, creating the human being in his image. Wow. So That's so powerful. It wasn't until God created Adam that he explained why he was creating, mm. because he was really creating to get to Adam. Because when did he stop being alone? When, when he Adam, got him. On the mm -hmm. sixth day. Yeah. The sixth day, which is after he created angels. Right. So he was still lonely because, without Adam. Because angels are not an other. They're still just God. And angels are his clones. I mean, they're not. Yeah. Only Adam with freedom of choice yeah. can be an other so that God is no longer alone. Yeah. Why do you think, Rabbi Friedman, that he said, you know, I'm going to create Adam so that I'm not alone, but then Adam was still considered to be alone in some sense, um, and then thus he, he needed to create Eve. Um, why was Adam... Why was Adam still alone, even though God had companionship with Adam? No, that was that was on the soul level. Okay. On a physical level, Adam was alone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to have this oneness mm -hmm. of another human being on a physical level, which is even more impressive because bodies don't blend very well. You know, souls. Yeah. Souls can, can get along. <laughs> you can have a meeting of the mind. The bodies tend to be very selfish. That's good. Yeah. And that's why the second thing that is destroying marriages after love is sex. Yeah. Well, love yes. and sex are destroying marriages. Because again, sex is a thing. It wasn't always. Sex used to be something two people engaged in when they were very, very close, committed, bonded. It was safe. Yeah. United. 
But back in the 60s, we decided that that's too heavy, too serious, Hmm. complicated. And we decided that sex should be fun. Mm -hmm. So it became a thing. Once it becomes a thing, it comes between you. It doesn't bond you. Yeah. Mm. That's good. All the intimacy is gone. Yeah. Good. But let's take a closer look. Since you love studying Bible. Yes, Yes, sir. sir. All right. God puts Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden. And he says to them, of all the trees, if you have the text, you can... Of all the trees in the garden you may eat, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat it, for the day you eat it, you will die. Mm -hmm. Right. That was nine hours after they were created. An hour later, they ate from the tree. Now, tell me what line in the Bible needs more commentary than this? I don't know. Help us. <laughs> How is that even possible? Mm. God speaks to you one on one, and an hour later, you simply ignore him? Wow. Yeah. Your creator. Yeah. He's pretty awesome, I think, no? I think so. <laughs> I like to joke about this. Can you imagine God says to Adam, don't eat from that tree? And Adam says, are you talking to me? yeah serious so it's not like when god spoke at mount sinai where there were two million people and everybody could say he doesn't mean me Mm. this was up close and personal the most personal after he walked with god Mm -hmm. in the garden experienced him yeah he was brand new Mm -hmm. and he had no evil inclination Mm -hmm. pure innocent and yet God speaks to him and makes no impression. You have to wonder about God. Yeah. Second question is you got to wonder about him. What in the world is wrong with him? Mm. An hour later? Wait till after the weekend. An <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hour later? And what was it? A fig? I mean, come on. Yeah. Couldn't have been that nice. That tempting? Okay, the questions just pile on. Mm -hmm. God says, don't eat from this tree, for the day you eat from it, you'll die. Isn't that a little confusing? The day I eat from it, you just told me not to eat from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God didn't say if you eat from it. He just said, the day you eat from it, you'll die. So there's the assumption that you are going to disobey. That someday you'll eat from it. Yeah. Confusing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Question number whatever. Four. <laughs> the day you eat from it, you'll die. Was death really a threat? They were nine mm. hours old. Yeah. No, it wasn't a reality. It wasn't a reality. Nothing ever died. Mm. Yeah. So what kind of threat was that? Yeah. Next question. God comes to Adam and says, you ate from the tree I told you not to eat from. What does Adam do? He blames her. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. It's her fault. <laughs> she made me. The woman you gave to me. Yes. That, that's even harder to believe. Right. You know, if he had a weakness and he had a temptation, okay, but he couldn't even live up to his own responsibility. Hmm. What kind of human being do we are we starting with here? And if it's downhill from there, <laughs> it's not good news. <laughs> yeah. God turns to Eve and says, what did you do? She says, the snake tricked me. Hmm. Where th This is very embarrassing. Right. Then God says, because you did this, you will suffer in pain. No, whoa, 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 whoa. That was not the deal. Hmm. The deal was you eat from it, you die. Yeah. And have yeah. more punishment after the fact. Hmm. That's not just. So the deal was you eat from it, you'll die. Now you'll it's, die. oh, but before you die, <laughs> mm -hmm. you'll suffer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to have thorns. <laughs> that was not part of the deal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Now the main question is, why tell us the story? Hmm. It's so discouraging. It's so disheartening. Yeah. That's how you start the Bible. This is not inspiring. Like, what does God want us to get from that? Right. Yes. It's it's a very depressing story. They were nine years, nine hours old. They had no bad friends. They didn't grow up in a bad neighborhood. Their mother didn't traumatize them. In bad psychology, toilet training, <laughs> and they were, <laughs> and they were given one commandment. Yeah, that's it. And they lasted yeah. an hour. Now go, you study the Bible, and find out that there are three hundred and sixty-five prohibitions. And you do have bad friends, and you do have a bad neighborhood, mm -hmm. and you do have an evil inclination. Yeah. How long are you going to last? Not long. <laughs> Seriously. Yep. It's a terrible story. Hmm. Yeah. Gives us lots of hope. <laughs> of course, that's where you get your original sin, and it's been downhill since. Okay, you're just making it worse. Mm-hmm. So we're already doomed. Not a good way to start a story. Oh, so where does the joy come in? Let's take a deeper look. Okay. They open their eyes there in the Garden of Eden, and God says to them, of all the trees you may eat, but this tree, the tree of knowledge, you may not eat. Mm. Adam and Eve, just imagine, Adam and Eve are sitting there on a log, <laughs> and they're puzzled. We came down here to fix what? Mm. Every tree is kosher. There's one tree that is not so holy. It needs that's not kosher. It needs fixing, but we're not allowed to eat from it. So mm. we sit here and watch it grow. Mm. They were seriously puzzled. Yeah. Adam said. Maybe it's just our mission to resist the temptation and not eat from it. And for that, we will be rewarded. And Eve said, yeah, we could be rewarded, but we haven't fixed anything. Hmm. So we're here to fix, not to get rewarded. What are we fixing? 
The other thing they were a little confused about was, what is this double message? Don't eat from it the day you do eat from it. Is today the day? Mm. It's confusing. Yeah. How long do we wait? <laughs> so Eve said, it's not a mixed message. God is simply giving us a choice. Don't eat from it and live or eat from it and die. It's our choice. Mm-hmm. Adam said, well, then let's not eat from it. Eve said, oh, but God wants us to eat from it. Mm-hmm. Drum roll. <laughs> Adam says, how in the world do you know that? And she said, our mission is in the lowest world. This is not the lowest world. This is a world of immortality. There's a world somewhere that is a world of mortality. That's where we need to be. That's where our job is. Mm. Adam said, but if God put us here, doesn't it mean we should be here? And Eve said, no. God puts us into the scene, but he wants us to make the final decision. He wants us to volunteer. So we're on the threshold, but we need to cross it. So he wants us to eat from the tree and go into the world of mortality that needs fixing. Wow. Adam said, you're not only pretty, you're smart. You're not just a blonde boy. You're, you're... <laughs> so, oh, wow. so they ate. Mm-hmm. They volunteered to leave a place of immortality and do their job to elevate and bring godliness to the lowest world. Wow. Now God comes and says to Adam, you ate from the tree I told you not to eat from? Of course, we assume he's angry because we assume God is always angry. <laughs> right? So you read it with an angry tone. Yeah. Hmm. But perhaps. God was not angry. He was, he was, he was amazed. And not surprised. Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> he says to Adam, had How did you do that? Hmm. Where did you get this wisdom? What does Adam say? There's the woman you gave me. Mm -hmm. Didn't you say it's not good for man to be alone? Because I would not have eaten. Hmm. So God says to, to Eve, wow, you're pretty smart. She says, well, actually, the snake described the world out there. And I thought, yeah, that's where we need to be. Mm. Not the snake tricked me. Right. Snake enlightened me to what it would be like if I ate from the tree. What would it be like? I would be like God. I would know good and evil. Mm. Knowing good and evil, those are the tools with which you fix the world. Mm. 
So God said, that's perfect. I knew you were smarter than the angels. Wow. Now, let me tell you a little more about that world out there. There's problems, there's pain, there's suffering. Thanks for volunteering. <laughs> I hope you know what you got yourself into. But it was, You'll find out in a, a few hundred years. But it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, Eve is not the villain. She's the hero. Wow. Did she know that it would take 5,000 years to accomplish the job? Probably. She wasn't impressed. <laughs> That's 5,000 years. Right. Before you know it, it's over. <laughs> so, yeah. wow. he is actually the, the hero. It's a very inspiring story. And it has to be the first story because it tells us why we're here. Yeah. Why would you say? A kid, a kid is growing up and you say, you got to be good. You got to do right. You got to. And the kid says, why? It's a rotten, disgusting world. What, what are we trying to do here? Mm. Yeah. Our grandma knew the kind of world we were getting into and she volunteered us. It's doable. It's a nasty world. Mm. But we can fix it. So let's get to it. Wow. Wow. Adam Would you had, say, oh, yeah, go ahead. Adam only had one commandment with which to fix the world. We have mm-hmm. 613 ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, would you say that our duty, responsibility to tend the earth, not just in a physical sense, but also in a moral sense, um, do you think we're equipped for that via scripture, uh, our relationship with God? How do we fix the world? We'll be right back to the interview, but first we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So, you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. We focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. Okay. Fixing the world means, and this is coming full circle, Mm -hmm. fixing the world means engaging in an intimate relationship with God. Mm. Not a functional relationship, not a business, you know, arrangement, an Mm. intimate relationship, which means Mm. there is nothing about God that impresses me. Mm. Just him. Mm. 
So he's almighty and all-knowing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't care. He's my God. Is he all about love and forgiveness? I don't care. I'm not worshiping love. I'm worshiping him. Wow. Which tells us a lot about the union between a man and wife is supposed to enlighten us on that relationship, right? Exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. A human, a human version of what a relationship is supposed to be. Or a man who says, I love everything about my wife. Actual story. He says, I love everything about my wife. I said, that's interesting because your wife wants a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't love that about her. He's <laughs> like, subtract that. It's not right, right? I said, you love everything about your wife. He says, yes. I said, do you love her? He said, I love everything about her. Mm. It's not what I asked. You happen to love her looks. You love her personality. You love her sense of humor. You love her talents. You even love her mother. You just don't <laughs> love her. Wow. That's why she feels alone in the world. Yeah. Now, let's complete the picture. Adam and Eve were one being when they were first created. There was one being that was male and female. Mm -hmm. One side was male, one side was female. Mm -hmm. God separates them. And immediately after separating them, he says, therefore, should you get married, cleave to your wife and become one. Well, they just were one. <laughs> In fact, they were more one than any marriage can, mm. right? Yeah. Could you explain to our listeners, how do you get that? Like, I thought it was this Adam in the garden and then God puts him into a deep sleep and does his thing and then out pops Eve. Like, what happened there? Yeah, as if she never existed. Mm -hmm. That's not true. The, the Bible says God created Adam Male and female, he created him. So what in the world does that mean? Mm -hmm. And then God took a side of him and separated it. So Adam and Eve were two sides. Here. And talk to us too about why why um, that doesn't say rib. Tell us the Hebrew significance there. Yeah, well, the word tsela, which is translated as rib, is not really correct. Tsela mm -hmm. means a side. Mm -hmm. Like when somebody limps on one leg, you know, like one, one side is gimpy. So tsela means that side. And all the times throughout scripture that it's used, not once did it, was it used for the, for the word rib. It always meant side. Even if it, even if it was referring to the hip bone, mm -hmm. when Jacob was wrestling with the angel. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it says that he injured him in his hip. Mm -hmm. Hip means one side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. At any rate, here's the beauty of it. 
God separates two people who are literally Siamese twins and then tells them to join and become one through marriage. They're not going to become one body again. So what is the gain here? Here's the punchline. When they were one at birth, they were one back to back. When you get to become one through marriage, it's face to face. Mm. And for that, it was worth it. But that's also how we get into our problems. That's intimacy. Right. Intimacy is risky. Yes. It's risky, yeah. It's vulnerable. Mm. Very. That, that brings just kind of full circle how you're talking about the risk that God took making us, because that had to be a risk. You know, people would say no. Well, in order to create us, he has to limit himself to leave room for our existence. Mm. To some degree, he has to hide himself so that we have free choice. He doesn't need anyone to suffer for him. He suffers himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, because we've been wearing masks for the last two years, we understand how uncomfortable, unnatural, how, how distasteful it is to have to walk around with a mask on. Well, God has been wearing a mask since creation. Hmm. If we get our job done and we bring God down to earth, which is our entire purpose, yes. then he can take his mask off. So really serving God is the only relevant expression. We're here to serve him. Mm. Take that seriously and you come to the conclusion. What would constitute idolatry? A person says, I'm just as smart as God. Is that idolatry? No, it's just stupidity. (laughs) Okay. A person says, I created the world. That's idolatry. There's only one creator. Hmm. God never said, I'm the only smart person in the world. Hmm. So if you think you're smart, maybe you are. doesn't matter. Hmm. But if you think you created the world... That's idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. If you get angry, it's a little bit of idolatry. Mm. Because what are you getting angry about? This is not your world. Mm. So anyone who loses his temper is as if he's worshiping an idol. Which means anger belongs to God. He has a right to be angry because it's his world. When a human being gets angry, you're acting like God. You're not God. Hmm. Because are you trying to force your own expectation of what the world ought to be when God didn't allow that to happen? You're you're saying, I know what it ought to be, and therefore I'm taking power away from God. It has to be my way. 
Mm-hmm. Well, why does it have to be your way? It's not your world. You're just a guest. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. By the same token, when a person says, I need, I need, it's blasphemous. God has a right to need, you don't. Wow. So we've got it backwards, seriously backwards. We have this impression that God needs nothing. He's untouchable, unreachable, unflappable, invulnerable. He's sitting there in a lounge chair sipping a cocktail or something. (laughs) No. And we are the ones who are needy. We need this and we have to have that and we must get some of this. And he's just watching us run around making fools of ourselves. Mm. When a human being says, I need, you got to be careful. Saying God. Mm. Only God can need. I mean, if you create a universe, you obviously need something. (laughs) You're after something. Mm -hmm. But when you're a guest in the world, why do you need? If we could get this into our heads, we've been looking at things backwards. God is the only real creator. He is the only real need. Only he needs. So what are we doing here? He needs us. Are needed. We are not needy. Hmm. A quick example. A teenage boy is away from home and he goes into the office of the, of the organization and he says, hmm. I need to call my mother. Can I use the phone? And the teacher there, the mentor says, you need to call your mother? He says, yeah, I need to call my mother. The mentor says, you need to call your mother? He says, okay, my mother needs me to call her. Can I, <laughs> can I use the phone? And the mentor says, good. Learned your first lesson. Mm. A teenage boy away on an adventure doesn't need to call his mother. Hmm. But his mother needs him to call. Wow. That's good. Yeah. So we make this mistake constantly. I need, no, this is what is needed of you. You don't need, you are responding to a need. That's life. Mm -hmm. Life is a response to a need that I don't have. So, well, I, I need to get to heaven. No, you don't. You may want to, you don't need to. That's that's fascinating. I think it speaks a lot to God's heart for us. We've been studying that quite a bit lately and looking at um, how, you know, God pursues us in an intimate relationship. And I'm curious uh, about your perspective on um, do you do you ascribe to a um, an allegorical approach to the Song of Solomon 
or some other type of approach where, where you look at um, the song as an allegory of God's relationship with Israel? Or do you um, see it as an actual love poetry as well, where there is a couple? No, then it wouldn't be part of the Bible. Okay, talk to us about your perspective. It's God. God is speaking, and he's comparing us to a relationship between a bride and a groom or a husband and wife. Yes, that's absolutely, absolutely divine. Mm-hmm. It's not a marriage manual mm-hmm. or, or a romance novel. Okay. Yes. But it's allowing insight into God's desire for intimacy with us. And because of that intimacy, the relationship can have so many layers and so many dimensions, painful ones, pleasant ones, agony, ecstasy. It's mm-hmm. all there because it's a real relationship. Right. So what would you say a married couple could get out of something like the Song of Solomon or other scriptures that speak about God's love for us um, and God's passion toward us? The main lesson of all of it is don't worship something. Worship him. Mm. How do you do that? Well, when your wife is out of town, you miss her. You really miss her. Right. And if somebody were to say, well, what do you miss about her? What? Mm-hmm. She's not here. I miss her. Yeah, her oh, presence. Her. Yeah. What do you miss about her? That's a ridiculous question. Yeah. Unfortunately, as soon as she be, as soon as she comes home, the minute she walks yeah. in the door, it becomes about something. Yeah. Oh, good. Now you can do the laundry. Oh, good. Now you can. Is that why God has to wear a mask? Yes. That's why all these years of separation, of distance, because we get to understand it's him, Mm. not his heaven, not his paradise, not his rewards, not even his temple, just him. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, I was just going to say so many people have the idea that I should pray. I need to pray. But it's like, wait, hold on. Mm. Looking through the lens of intimacy, that's it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I want to go and meet my wife because I want her. I don't want the benefits. I don't want the things. I want her. And how do you have her? By responding to her needs. Because mm. if she um. don't need you... <laughs> You feel useless. Go home. (laughs) And that's that's the joy of intimacy, right? It's reciprocal. So how do you get to be intimate? How do you focus on him and not something about him? Mm. It's like men come and ask me, how do I make my wife happy? What can I do to make my wife happy? So, well, the first thing is stop asking me, ask her. (laughs) 
Why, why are we sitting here like a conspiracy trying to make her happy? Right. Right. Yeah. You know where she lives. Ask her. If you want to get to her, ask her. You want to get to God? Ask him. What can I do for you? So God comes down to Mount Sinai and says, in case you're wondering <laughs> what you can do for me, here's five books as starters. Yeah. <laughs> and what does he describe in those five books? Himself. Yes. Mm -hmm. This I love, this I hate, this I get gives me pleasure, this gets me angry, this, this is such a bearing of the soul. Yeah. yeah makes himself so known mm -hmm. that every step we take, we can either be doing it his way or not his way. Right. So when you fulfill a commandment, what are you doing? You're responding to him. Will that get you to heaven? Don't change the subject. Mm. Just stay in covenant, right? Stay in covenant. <laughs> Yeah. We're not going to heaven, okay? Give it up. <laughs> ah, seek the relationship. Yes. Yeah. I love that. So it's there beautiful. are seven laws that God gave to Noah. Actually, he gave six. I, I call it laws, and it's so unromantic. <laughs> okay. There are six things God told Adam then repeated them to Noah and added a seventh. Okay. The sixth that he gave to Adam was, don't have any other gods. It's just me and you. Don't be blasphemous. I may give you a hard time, but there's a good reason for it. Don't, don't get vulgar with me. Mm. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery and have courts of law. Wherever a group of people settle, they have to establish a court that teaches the commandments and enforces the commandments. Mm. That's it. That is civilization. Mm -hmm. After the flood, God repeated those six commandments. Again, commandment is such a awkward word for a relationship. Yeah. So he repeats the, the six commandments and then adds the commandment to not be cruel to animals. Because after the flood, they were permitted to eat meat, mm -hmm. but without being cruel, mm -hmm. which means you cannot eat the limb of a living animal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the slaughterhouses, they stun the animal before they shoot it because they want to make it painless. Mm. Then they start butchering it before they shoot it. Mm. Now that's a limb from a living animal, mm -hmm. not kosher for anybody. Right. Anyway, so these are the seven commandments. If a person would say, how do I know whether I'm good or bad? Mm. The answer is, there are seven commandments. If you're keeping them, you're good. If you're not keeping them, keep them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No mysteries. Mm. So, Rabbi, in a relationship, just to wrap this up to help people point them in the right direction, would you suggest then asking questions about how do I make myself known, but how do I know you? How can I get to know you? Mm. What do I do to make, like you said, how, how do I make you happy? Mm. How do I serve God's plan? Because I don't have any needs. I'm here because he needs. Mm. Well, let's get to it. Say, oh, you know, I'm not that type. You don't have to be that type. Hmm. Uh, I've never done that before. So I guess I'm, you know, too late for me. It's not about you. Hmm. Right now, you can do something for God. Can you forget about yourself for a minute? Hmm. That's it. Wow. That unites us in an awesome way. Mm-hmm. Because although Jews have more commandments and different requirements, but it's the same project. Yeah. Yes. We're all doing the same thing, trying mm-hmm. to get God down to earth. But for some reason, religion has gotten it backwards and keeps insisting that we have to get to heaven. <laughs> like that's the main focus, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You're going to heaven and God is coming down to earth. You're going to pass each other. (laughs) (laughs) Thy kingdom come. Yeah. That's our prayer. It's time to make contact with God. Mm -hmm. We've had plenty of preparation time. We fiddled around. We experimented with religions and with philosophies. Okay, enough. Now we're down to basics. Hmm. God is the creator. He needs something. We don't need to be here. We don't need to be born. We don't need to go to heaven. We don't need anything. We're just here because he needs. Mm. So let's get to it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you so much for this wisdom and uh, talking us. I love hearing your perspectives and the questions you ask. Yes. I, I would love to learn how to ask questions as good as you do. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a thing I'm having to learn. Mm-hmm. I, I listened a um, long time ago. I read uh, something that said, you know, the difference between the way some, some Christians read the Bible and Jewish people read the Bible is that they see themselves in the Bible where a lot of Christians see, see like they did that. Mm. How dumb that Israel did that. Uh. But instead of saying, hmm, I would have done this probably if I was in their position. They weren't stupid. Mm. So learning. And if they were stupid, God wouldn't record it forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's God's Bible, not, not the Bible of the Jews. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's the story of God. Mm-hmm. What is God telling the world about himself? Yes. Concerning his relationship with the Jewish people, but he's telling the world. Mm. Right. So, this is how I relate to God. Mm-hmm. This is how I can come down to earth if you just let me. Hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Question for you, or I'm sure our audience would love to hear more of your wisdom and what you else you have to say. Um, what resources could you point them to 
to uh, help them in their marriages or their life, mm -hmm. what would you suggest? Well, being selfish and self-centered, I would suggest reading my book. Yes, we suggest it too. Let us just do a promo for it here. <laughs> <laughs> the Joy of Intimacy, A Soulful Guide to Keeping the Spark Alive. So many um, revelatory moments for us as we read that book. So we will link that in the show notes for those who are listening. Um, and also your assistant made it known to us that um, they can actually go to itsgoodtoknow.com slash ebook gift. Um, to our audience. And it's, yeah, it's a free ebook for our audience of this book, The Joy of Intimacy, along with another free ebook, um, Doesn't Anybody Blush Anymore? And so, also, you have a new book coming out soon. Tell, tell us, us a little bit about that. Yes. Okay, the new book, I think is, you see, this, this, this is not much of a book. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> now, this, Super small. This is a book. <laughs> for those yes, who aren't sir. watching and they're listening instead the book that is coming out the is book book. a big book <laughs> it's like that scene in crocodile dundee this is a knife <laughs> a bigger knife so this this second book has a lot of the intimacy subject about mm -hmm. marriage and relationships and so on but it also has the part about god and the study of of the bible and Judaism, so mm -hmm. it's a combination, and you can see how they work together. Okay. Because intimacy is the goal of every relationship, yes. dealing with our relationship with God. Yes. So you ask questions when you read the Bible, not because you're cynical, but because you're trying to understand. Mm -hmm. God is trying to make himself understood, so we should try to understand. So if you have a question, it doesn't mean you're you're lacking in faith. Unless you're being cynical. Well, that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. So you're not questioning God. You're asking a question of God. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So people are afraid to ask. The, the Bible doesn't tolerate questions. Of course it does. Yes. How else, encouraged. How else do you get to understand? That's right. But no cynicism. Yes. Not like, yeah. oh, that didn't make any sense. Well, then try a little harder. Mm -hmm. Go a little deeper. Yeah. We like to say doubting toward faith, right? So you're not doubting to try to... Disprove. To, yeah. Be skeptical of skepticism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yep. what's the book called, the book coming out? Oh, right. I get distracted. <laughs> It's called Creating a Life That Matters. Okay. Nice. So where can folks find it? Is it already out or it's coming out? September 1, it will be available in finer bookstores everywhere. Okay. <laughs> Love it. And will it also be on Amazon? Amazon. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. To, to a uh, porch near you. <laughs> so we will link that on Amazon as well because this will air after September 1st. So we'll link your new book. Great. Wonderful. Well, we like to close every podcast. Oh, did you have something else to say? You want to study the Bible with Hebrew commentary. That would be a good idea. Oh, yes. And that's available in every Jewish bookstore and Judaica shop. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Online. Endless. Yeah. 
any particular resource you would point someone to for studying with Hebrew commentary? The art scroll. Art scroll. Okay. Heart or art? Art. A-R-T. Okay. Art scroll. And that's a website we can link in the show notes. Okay. We'll do that. We'll check it out ourselves. We enjoy that kind of study. So uh, Rabbi Friedman, uh, we close every podcast episode out by asking our interviewee the same question. And it's um, think about advice that you wish you would have received. Um, And you go back to the beginning of your marriage and then fill in the blank. Dear young married couple. When you hear yourself saying, I need, stop and think again. Most of the things we think we need, we don't really need. We used to need, we outgrew it. Our needs are not crucial. Being needed is much more important. So what I need from my wife or from my children, I can live without it. But what they need from me, that's serious. And I love being needed. It's not a chore and it's not a burden. Being needy is a chore and a burden and depressing. (laughs) Yeah. Like if I have to make lunch for myself, I get depressed. (laughs) What am I going to do? I'll open a jar, a can, or something in the freezer. But if you're coming over for lunch, now it's a party. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So good. Oh. Well, thank you, Rabbi. We we sincerely appreciate the time you've given us and yes. uh, look forward to listening to people's reactions and, and listening to this and mm-hmm. getting wisdom. And hopefully people go to your website and get those books. Yes. And we'll link your website as well in the show notes. So any anything you want to get from Rabbi Friedman, you can find those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Rabbi. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.